Hi there, everybody. This week's episode of the Golf Guide podcast is proudly presented to you, the listener, by GolfGuide.net and Pacific Coast Golf Guide magazine. And right now, for the first time ever, you can get a free subscription to Pacific Coast Golf Guide magazine. That's right. You no longer have to go through the effort of leaning over and picking up a physical magazine when visiting a golf course near you. We will ship that bad boy directly to your mailbox at absolutely no cost. You might be asking yourself, Kyle, that that just seems like too good of that just seems like too good of a deal. Why would you just send me that for free? You know what? It's because we love you. It's because we want you to have access to the best printed golf course directory in existence. All you have to do is go to golfguide.net slash magazine subscription. I think it's magazine dash subscription, or you can visit Golf Guide's Facebook or Instagram page, and you will find links there to go and sign up. All you need to do is provide your name, a mailing address, answer a couple questions about how much golf you play every year, and ba-bam. Each and every year, we will ship a new issue of Golf Guide directly to your door. To find out more information, visit golfguide.net. And that is it. Let's get going with this week's podcast, everybody. Very, very Tiger Woods heavy. So without further delay, let's do it here on the Golf Guide Podcast. All right. Hi there. Greetings. Oh, it is nice to be back. Hi there, everybody. This is uh, your host, Kyle Serlo. And welcome back to the Golf Guide Podcast. Uh, we are recording this on a Friday morning, a few days after we normally do this, but with uh, so much stuff happening uh, in my personal life, uh, combined with the captain's picks for the upcoming President's Cup uh, not being released until yesterday, it just seemed like it was going to be perfectly all right to record this one a couple days late. So uh, I'm glad we are here nonetheless. Um, and I've got a very tiger-centric podcast, as I mentioned in the opener for you today. Um, and we're not gonna we're not gonna pussyfoot around. We're just gonna jump right into it. So since we were last with you, uh, we can have to go with uh, the boatman himself. Um, a couple things have happened. Uh, first of all, there is is an outstanding beef between uh, one Augusta National choker, Greg Norman, and one Augusta National basically savant uh, in Tiger Woods. Uh, it came to light in an article <laughs> that, uh, or I guess it might have been an interview uh, with Greg Norman, I believe in Men's Health, where Greg Norman shared a story about how after Tiger Woods' victory at the 2019 Masters, he, <laughs> he wrote a handwritten note uh, and then got into his vehicle, drove a quarter of a mile down the road, uh, and tried to you know deliver this letter to Tiger Woods to congratulate him on an outstanding win uh, at the 2019 Masters. You know, what a what a lovely gesture by Mr. Norman. Uh, sitting down for, it had to have been at least 90 seconds. Yeah, actually, no, let's be honest. Had to have been at least 45 seconds. Uh, wrote down, congratulations, Tiger. Uh, put that little letter into an envelope and drove it... Uh, Roughly 400 meters uh, down the road uh, in a vehicle. wasn't uh, did, did, Walking might have been a little too strenuous, but did decide that uh, he could manage to get into the driver's seat of his vehicle 
and uh, deliver this to either a security gate or someone in, you know, expecting them to pass it along uh, to Tiger. And Greg shared with everybody that <laughs> the kind gesture was not reciprocated, uh, and not just reciprocated, not even acknowledged. Um, and so Greg thought it would be the prudent thing to do to air all this out and share with the golfing world that Tiger Woods was not appreciative of his handwritten note, um, which you know leads me then to offer you my opinion on the matter, and that is that, man, isn't Greg Norman a silly fucking man? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, this guy who has trashed Tiger Woods over the years all of a sudden sees that Tiger might be ascending again, wants to grab himself a little piece of the Tiger pie, and uh, Tiger Woods, you know, I think understandably just is like, yeah, don't care about this guy. <laughs> don't don't care about him at all. Haven't really cared about him since I saw him bogey the 18th hole at Augusta to hand Jack Nicklaus the 1986 Masters Championship. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just, I, again, uh, the, the two words that come to mind when I heard and learned about this story is just, wow. This is fucking silly. <laughs> it's just, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, I, I I can't remember the name of the gentleman um, who was doing a roundtable discussion of this on the Golf Channel, but I know he was sitting down um, with Damon Hack, Anna something, Jeff Shackelford, and it, he's like, you know, there's only three reasons that Greg Norman would share this with the public. One is that he wants to know, he wants to let everybody know how thoughtful and awesome Greg Norman is. Two, he possibly wants everybody, he wants to shine a light on how closed off and not awesome Tiger Woods is. Or three, a combination of the both. Man, it, it's got to be the third one. I mean, Greg loves himself some Greg. I mean, let, let's be honest. What other 50, 60 something year old man is going to get really, really eager at the prospect of taking all of his clothing off and, uh, putting himself completely nude into a sports magazine like ESPN's body issue and really, really own. I mean, granted when Gary player did it, it also was pretty silly, but Gary player is so old that it's almost kind of impressive how good he still looks without a shirt on where Greg's just kind of like, yeah, dude, like we get it. You were the world number one for a time. You're a better golfer than 99.9% of any human that's ever lived. Um, and you also are a notorious choke artist in the biggest tournaments of your life. So good for you. <laughs> hey, I, I don't really know. So the long and the short of it is it was a very interesting beef that, uh, got some good airtime on the golf channel and through some other, uh, uh, some other channels over the past couple of weeks. And since I hadn't had an opportunity to, uh, discuss it yet on this podcast, I just wanted to make all of you fine listeners aware of just how silly the world of professional golf can be once in a while and uh tiger taking the high road not responding kind of kind of okay with it uh speaking of taking the high road let's move on to the second item of business regarding tiger woods and that is um the selection of the captain's picks for the upcoming 2020 president's cup which will be contested at alistair mckenzie's gym royal melbourne down in australia um man Pretty, pretty interesting stuff. So uh, a couple of nights ago uh, this week, Ernie Els made his captain's picks. And I have to admit, he did a pretty darn good job. There were a couple. Um, I mean, really, I, I can't really blame Ernie for any any of the picks that he made. So 
Uh, he certainly selected one of probably the best uh, young golfers in the entire world, Sung J.M. The Korean has been on an absolute tear this year. I think he has something close to like 10 top 10 finishes on the PGA Tour, uh, and he is an absolute stick. Um, Sung J.M., I, I expect him to win a major one day. I expect him to be really, really good for a long time. So an excellent pick there by Captain Captain Ells. Uh, Jason Day, obviously, it, it would be, what I want to say maybe it would be kind of a black eye if Jason Day wasn't selected for this tournament, given the fact that he has you know, been one of the world's best players for almost a decade now. And also, I mean, he's an Australian. It, it, would, be a, it would be criminal to not have him participating in this tournament. And then the other two selections, um, I, I got to admit, pretty awesome stuff. Uh, Joaquin Neiman, who is re- coming off a fall win at the Greenbrier, his swing is looking excellent. And then uh, certainly Adam Hadwin uh, out of Canada. Um, really, really good. Adam Hadwin competed in the 2017 uh, President's Cup at Liberty National. He did go 0-2-1. Um, but, you know, he's you know he's a, a world top 25, top 30 player, is exceptional, and he shot 59 in a professional setting before. He is really, really good. So I think uh, Captain Ells made four really outstanding selections there. Um, that being said, <laughs> Captain Woods... Uh, I I think did a really excellent job outside of maybe one name. Um, so let's let's just jump right into it. So, uh, it was speculated about whether or not Tiger Woods would in fact pick himself as one of his four captain picks for the Presidents Cup, and you know, for the last few months it's kind of been oh, I'm not sure I don't know I don't know. But as soon as he won the Zozo Championship in Japan a couple of weeks ago. I think most of us at that point kind of realized, yo, Tiger is picking and he's winning. He's very clearly one of the 20 best golfers in the entire world right now. Um, And on top of that, he knows that if he's competing, you know, nobody's going to complain in terms of ratings, viewership, uh, you know, interest in the tournament, whatnot. So I think he made a pretty savvy decision, both in terms of wanting to win, but also um, satisfying all of the parties involved in putting this tournament on and uh, trying to market it to the golfing public. So no surprise there, Tiger Woods uh, was one of his own captain's picks. But the t- you know of the other three guys, the ones that I was not surprised at all with that I think were excellent were Gary Woodland, the 2019 U.S. Open champion, and then Tony Finau, who, I mean, is, is there a better guy? Is there a better golfer? on the professional circuit who's incapable of winning individual tournaments? Probably not, but luckily for Tony Finau, this is not an individual tournament to win. This is this is a team event. Tony Finau hits the ball a mile. It seems like he can hit every shot in the book uh, and is just rock-fucking-solid. Um, so Tony Finau, awesome. The one pick uh, that is a little controversial from Captain Woods is that of 2018 Masters champion Patrick Reed, who... You know, during the 2018 Ryder Cup, uh, did throw a few Molotov cocktails into his own uh, locker room, uh, <laughs> lighting teammates on fire, uh, just really just causing a scene for being just a general shithead. And uh, however, I, I, somebody did bring it up. Somebody screenshotted a uh, a Tiger Woods tweet after the 2018 Masters, telling Patrick Reed that he had guaranteed, you know, locked himself up a spot at the uh, the 2019 President's Cup. So it looks like he is making good on that tweet. But 
you know, for, for all of us, Patrick Reed is historically been exceptional in team play. So I, I understand uh, Tiger's decision uh, if that was something he had factored into it. But I have to admit, you know, just because Patrick Reed is really good at golf uh, and is really good in these team events, admittedly, I you know, selfishly as a viewer, I, I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of watching Patrick Reed play golf. So it's kind of a bummer that he is going to be representing the U.S. on this team, knowing that that spot could have gone to another golfer that I'd probably enjoy watching a hell of a lot more. Now, uh, the two names that a lot of people keep throwing out there are Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler. And I got to admit, you know, year two, three, five, ten, you know, any time in the last six or seven years, if you had told anybody that Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler were not going to be on a Ryder Cup or President's Cup team this decade, I, I think it would have been pretty hard to believe. But look at this, 2019, here we are, Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth will not uh, be participating in the President's Cup. And admittedly, just purely based on their play, you know, it's it's hard to argue. They have not been uh, in top form. I think Ricky is newly married. He's probably, you know, I, I think from a pride standpoint, he certainly would have liked to have been selected. But I think Ricky's also at a point with his, his new, you know, beautiful wife and that he's probably like, yeah, yeah, I'll take, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take it off. I'll, I'll just relax. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, meanwhile, Jordan Spieth, I'm sure, would like to be participating. But, I mean, Jordy, you just got to play better, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the long and the short of it. Now, the one guy who this has been bandied about on uh, on social media and uh, a lot of people making this point before I'm doing so right now, but I, I have to tend to agree with all of them, and it, it was someone that I was hoping Tiger would pick, and that is, is Kiz. I, I'm not sure why you wouldn't strongly consider and, you know, really pick Kevin Kisner uh, to be part of this team competition. The guy is absolute stones um, in match play, in team play. He's exceptional. You know, he's got one of the best uh, records at the Dell match play each and every year. He is a great striker of the golf ball. If you're going down to play somewhere like Royal Melbourne that is firm and fast and plays kind of linksy and is, you know, actually has a lot of similarities to Augusta, aside from also being um, designed by Alistair McKenzie. And, you know, Kiz just plays so it, it's not an overly long golf course. Kiz has stated that when the golf course gets too long, it kind of takes him out of contention. But that's not the case at Royal Melbourne. And I can't, you know, I would love to know what percent of the golf watching public would prefer to watch Patrick Reed over Kevin Kisner. I I can't imagine it's a whole hell of a lot, both from a golf standpoint and from a personality standpoint. Um, Kevin Kisner is just an seemingly an infinitely better human <laughs> than Patrick Reed. Uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Pat is a tolerable guy in his, uh, <laughs> in his personal life. And so, uh, good for him. Um, but I am a little, a little bummed that Captain Woods, uh, was not able to, you know, not able to, to, to see the light and, uh, select Kevin Kisner for the upcoming President's Cup. All right. So with that, let's move on to the last item of Tiger Woods-related news in this week's podcast. And this one actually uh, pertains to California and Northern California golf. So um, again, we're recording this on a Friday. I actually had a conversation with a friend uh, yesterday who is familiar with uh, a few folks who live and work down in Monterey. And he passed along a rumor to me that, you know, who, who would I be if I was not passing along unsubstantiated and unconfirmed rumors to all of you 
just within 24 hours after getting them. So, uh, again, before before I state this, I do want to reinforce the fact that I have not reached out to Pebble Beach uh, regarding this. They have not confirmed anything. This is a completely uncorroborated story. It is simply a rumor that I heard that I am now passing along to each and every one of you. Just in, 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 Let's see. Let's see if there is any truth to this rumor. Uh, see if anything comes out here in the next few months. Um, but... As I mentioned to all of you on this podcast just a few months ago, um, the only par 3 golf course on the Monterey Peninsula is the Peter Hay Golf Course located across the street uh, from the first hole at Pebble Beach. It is part of the Pebble Beach Company's portfolio. They manage and own four 18-hole golf courses, Pebble Beach, Spyglass, Spanish Bay, and Del Monte. And then they also have owned and managed the little 9-hole par 3 course known as Peter Hay. Well, the Peter A. Golf Course was leveled, um, you know, taken, you know, basically closed and used as a um, a congregating area and also, you know, the entrance more or less to the 2019 U.S. Open. And the golf course has been closed ever since. Well, a couple of months ago, I had reported that it was rumored that they were going to redo the Peter Hay Golf Course and basically create smaller replicas of some of the most iconic and recognizable green complexes around um, at each of the Pebble Beach Company's four golf courses. And that seemed like I I was super on board. It sounded like it was an awesome plan. However, uh, again, a new rumor was shared with me this week. And again, let me reinforce this one more time. Uh, (laughs) this This has not been confirmed. This is purely a rumor. Uh, but again, a rumor from somebody who I do trust, uh, and you know, I, I think there is probably a, a better than decent chance this may in fact come to fruition. But again, I do need to re reemphasize the fact that this has not been confirmed. Um, but it is now appearing that the, when the Peter Hay Golf Course does go under construction and reopen, that a gentleman by the name of Tiger Woods may in fact be the gentleman redesigning. This sh- this par three course on the Monterey Peninsula, and you know, I, Tiger has already you know he now has a couple of uh, you know designs in the U.S. to his name, you know, notably Blue Jack National down in Texas. He has uh, recently pretty much completed a new 18-hole golf course at the Big Cedar Lodge uh, out in the Ozarks, and you know, as part of Blue Jack National, I know he designed a par three course down there. I think it's called the Playground. Uh, for the members down there. So he has a little experience in this. But, I mean, really, I think, ultimately, this is kind of not only a play to make the golf course really cool, but it's it to me, at least, it certainly seems like a marketing play from Pebble Beach's standpoint. If they can get Tiger Woods to come and design something on property, you got to imagine that that's probably also going to mean that he's going to be starting to show up at the AT&T Pro-Am a little bit more often, something he has not done uh, in recent years. So maybe... You know, some sort of a partnership between Tiger and Pebble will lead to him uh, making more appearances on the Monterey Peninsula early in the calendar year for that golf tournament, which uh, would not only be good for attendance, but again, also be good for Pebble. It'd be good for Tiger. Um, And so, yeah, it could be very, very interesting. If Tiger does, in fact, um, go on to design this par three course, I am very curious uh, what he's going to do because... You know, admittedly, it is a really small piece of property. Anybody that's visited uh, the Peter Hay course knows that it was a lot of fun. The views are spectacular. But when there were nine par threes there, I mean, you, your holes, the holes out there were only ranging between 50 to like 100 yards. 
You know, it's it's a pretty it was a pretty small, you know, almost not you know longer than a pitch and putt, but shorter than you know a par three course that you'd find somewhere like the preserve at Bannon Dunes or the sandbox at Sand Valley or you know something like that where you actually get to use you know clubs all the way up to a six iron or something like that where. You know, maybe if Tiger Woods comes in, maybe Tiger has enough cachet and enough enough sway where maybe he he looks to the folks at Pebble Beach and says, "Hey, you know, instead of doing nine really short par threes, what do you guys think about maybe making six or seven really awesome par threes and having that be a little course?" I don't know. Again, this is me speculating, just throwing ideas against a wall. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't even know for sure if Tiger Woods is going to be designing this golf course, but it is something that I thought was worth sharing with all of you because, again, it comes from a place where I think there's a, a at least a better than 50% chance that this could, in fact, be the case. And so you guys listening to this Golf Guide podcast are the ones that are going to hear it first. So uh, very exciting news there on the um, Northern California architecture front. And, uh, yeah, Tiger, we're waiting for you, man. We'd love to have something we can go play out here uh, at some point soon. So um, with that, Let's keep everything on the Monterey Peninsula. A, another report came out. Uh, this is where we leave the Tiger Woods uh, portion of our programming. Um, but a report came out from the San Francisco Chronicle. I believe it's Ron Krojcik, who is an excellent writer for the Chronicle and has been for many, many years, saying that um, the recently renovated and redesigned Dunes course at Monterey Peninsula Country Club, um, redesigned by Jackson Kahn, uh, the Disciples of Tom Fazio, which reopened a couple years ago, may may be joining the AT&T Pro-Am rotation uh, as soon as 2021. So the Monterey Peninsula Country Club's contract with the Pro-Am was set to expire after next year's tournament and was recently extended a few more years. But it also has come to light that, you know, every other year, Monterey Peninsula might be uh, switching back and forth which of its two courses uh, will be part of that rotation to, you know, Monterey Peninsula Country Club you know, one of the preeminent uh, or preeminent uh, golf clubs in the country, two golf courses that are ranked inside the country's top 100. Um, the Shore Course, which has been, you know, the host to the third leg of the program the past couple of years, is a Mike Strance gem, you know, rest in peace, Mike, um, that is an absolute joy to play. Uh, it's an it's almost just as good to, to walk and see and watch on TV. Um but from what I've heard, this new short course is also pretty damn exceptional in its own right. And uh, it seems like spectators and viewers of the tournament may have an opportunity um, to see both golf courses, you know, back and forth uh, in the years to come. So that is pretty exciting stuff. And uh, I am looking forward to getting some more information on that uh, where I can pass that along to each and every one of you as well. And then uh, one last little news note for this week and that is uh california native and you know former amateur golfer lucy lee has decided to turn professional she is only 17 years old which means she's not even eligible uh to get her lpga tour card uh until 2021 when she turns uh, 18 years old uh or 2020 when she turns 18 years old excuse me um Wild stuff. Uh, Lucy Lee also, you know, generated some headlines not that far back when she appeared in an Apple commercial, um, which questioned a lot of people as to whether or not she should be allowed to retain her amateur status. Uh, she was granted that, but it, it appears it was uh, not necessary for very long as she has announced that she is going to be turning professional. So you'll be able to see uh, Lucy on the Symmetra Tour, uh, which is, you know, more or less the 
developmental tour for the women's professional game. So uh, exciting stuff there for the youngest woman ever to qualify for the U.S. Women's Open. Lucy did that when she was 11 years old. It's crazy to think that was six years ago already, or an 11-year-old qualified for the Women's U.S. Open. But alas, it was there. Um, All right, with that, everybody, I I thank you guys so much. The last thing I want to do here real quick is just go over... um, a player's poll. You know, once in a while, Golf.com does an anonymous player poll. This one was released uh, just about a week ago, uh, or a little over a week ago. It looks like it was published on Golf.com back on Halloween by the great Adam Shupak, who uh, does an excellent job. Adam is you know, a writer, an editor. I've never actually had an opportunity to meet Adam, um, but I really enjoy his work. I know he's the editor of the NCGA uh, magazine here in Northern California. I've also seen him pen stuff for Golf Week. Uh, and a whole bunch of other publications. So Adam does some good work, and he looks like he is the author on the byline of this anonymous player survey. And there was just some very interesting answers here that I thought was worth sharing um, because it's these PGA Tour players baffle me with some of the <laughs> with some of the things they think about. Um, all right, here's some hot takes. This is again an anonymous player poll survey, and uh, I'm just going to read off some of the questions and then read you some of the answers that I think. So crazy. So the, the question was asked, which tournament is harder to win? All right. So which of these two tournaments is more difficult to win? The Players' Championship or the PGA Championship? One is a major. The other is a tournament contested on a beautiful swamp in Florida. Uh, and 78% of the players said that the Players' Championship was more difficult to win. That... That seems crazy. A couple quotes that came out of this was, one, quote, do I get some brownie points from the tour for saying the players? Uh, No, this is anonymous. Uh, Another one, players. Quote, players. Everyone in the field can win it because the course doesn't favor any particular style of game. End quote. I I guess, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) It just seems like you got to be super, super, super good and long. Uh, Not everybody fits that, so... We'll see. Uh, another, but those same two courses or the same two tournaments. Which tournament would you rather win? Well, sixty-two uh, percent say they'd rather win uh, the PGA Championship. Uh, no mistake there. They do sometimes seem like they remember that it is a major championship. Um, and then these players were asked, "Is the significance of a major overrated?" Seventy-eight uh, percent said no. So it, it looks like these guys. Uh, mostly are still in the Brooks Kepka a line of thinking that um, there really are four tournaments here that actually really matter. The same, you know, the same point of view that Tigers had for many, many years. Uh, so they seem like they're all kind of on board. Um, then they asked to each of these players in the anonymous poll, who got your vote for 2019 PGA Tour Player of the Year? 33% said Rory McIlroy and 17% said Brooks Kepka. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I disagree, but, uh, wow. Now 40, uh, by the way, 40% of the players surveyed didn't vote. <laughs> what a bunch of fucking Daryls. Um, some of the quotes uh, about this question, quote, 13 top 10s? Seriously? <laughs> Rory. Uh, okay. Um, let's see, another quote. Uh, easy. Hands down, Rory. If he didn't win the Tour Championship, it would have been close. He was the most consistent. People don't give him enough credit for all those top tens. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, finishing in the top ten of a PGA Tour event is insane. 
Like, I mean, I, I do think that sometimes we forget um, how difficult it is just to make it close to the top of the leaderboard. You know, maybe we place a little too much emphasis on wins. But the fact of the matter is, at least for me, and I know a lot of journalists feel the same way as well, uh, especially one of my favorite guys to read, Alan Shipnuck, is, you know, all the top tens are great, but during the most important tournaments of the year, Brooks Kepko was always in the mix and Rory McIlroy was not. Um, and for that reason, I would have voted for Brooks Kepka, but it seems as though the players on tour do not agree with me. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see here. In general, PGA Tour setups are dot, 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 too hard, too easy, or about the right difficulty. Uh, 4% said they were too hard, 21% they were too easy, and 75% of the players said, you know, these setups are just about right. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I've never really played any of these uh, current courses they play on tour in tournament settings, so I am absolutely unqualified to answer this on my own. Some of the quotes about that were, uh, "quote grow some rough." Uh, another quote: "We need more rough." Uh, another quote: "Setups are too long. Uh, there's not enough rough, and they don't penalize bad drives enough." Uh, agree, agree, and agree. Okay, awesome. Um, let's see here. Another question. True or false? The tour would be more interesting if there were fewer events. 50-50. That is, that is the result. 50% of the players said it'd be more interesting with less events. And 50% said, no, nah, I don't understand. Uh, the quotes here would be more millionaires, but more guys getting hurt. If you increase quantity in any industry, quality goes down. Uh, and another quote would not be good for the new guys. And then the last quote they have shared here is, a four-month break would make fans psyched that golf is back, end quote. Now, this is something I have actually brought up with friends. I don't recall if I've talked about this uh, with Jess on the podcast before, but I I certainly am way, way, way in favor of um, decreasing the number of PGA Tour events. I think the fact that we have a tournament every single weekend and that almost every single weekend, it's a 72-hole stroke play event. Again, I, I can't emphasize enough. Uh, Jay Monahan, if you're listening, which I know you're not. Um, dude, this shit's so repetitive. <laughs> it's it's so repetitive. I know it's the best guys in the world. Um, but, man, it gets really, really repetitive. Unless you guys were th- really considering changing up formatting uh, more often to make the weekend-to-weekend grind feel a little less monotonous and a little less repetitive, great. But... I mean, how awesome would it be if maybe they, you know, the PGA Tour just had 35 events a year, you know, instead of, you know, 45 or 50. There'd be a lot more care going into all these, but also with it not going on every weekend, that would give, you know, the golf world a little bit more of a chance to really highlight and emphasize non-PGA tournaments, you know, whether it be the Corn Ferry Tour or the LPGA or, you know, something on the European Tour. I, I don't know. There, there's so much awesome stuff going on in the world of golf that it's a shame that second-rate PGA tournaments you know, more or less get most of the shine on weeks where there's not big tournaments happening. And, you know, I, I think for me personally, less tournaments would make it more interesting because, you know, it's supply and demand. Uh, the, it, scarcity leads to more interest and uh, therefore more interest leads to better golf tournaments. So there you go. Um, let's see. A couple more here before we bid adieu. Um, another question in the anonymous player survey. Are you a fan of the new compressed major schedule? 55% of the players said yes, so a few more 
like it than don't like it. Um, yeah, and one of the quotes here is, it's not like the Champions Tour with a major every other week. Also true. You do get at least a month in between tournaments, so that is great. Um, let's see, next question. How many times last season did you witness a player knowingly break a rule and try to get away with it? Uh, this is on the back of the controversy with Christina Kim uh, penalizing uh, a player in her group um, who was asking a competitor's caddy for information on what club they were hitting. Um, 72% of the guys say never. They have not seen somebody knowingly break a rule on tour. Um, while you know the next most answered is twice at 7%. So either these guys are lying or there really is far fewer rules being broken on tour than it seems like there is on the lower portions of the other professional circuits because, you know, when this whole Christina Kim thing went down and the gal who um, was called out and penalized, you know, she was saying it happens all the time, you know, that people, players share club, in, you know, information about what club they're hitting all the time and she honestly didn't even know that it was against the rules. To me, that is pretty fucking silly. Um, that. I don't know. As somebody that played high school golf for four years, like a decade and a half ago, um, like that that's so clearly one of the rules and has always been one of the rules. If you've played any type of competitive golf, it's hard for me to think that you don't know that's the rules and why why risk it? Um, so weird. But anyway, these guys on the PGA Tour say, no, no, not really. Not really doing that kind of stuff. Um, and then finally... <laughs> Uh, let's go, let's go with three more questions. Uh, will Ricky Fowler win a major? 96% of the guys on tour say yes. Um, that's awesome. I, I, I think so too. He's, he's just too good for it not to happen. Uh, will Tiger win another major? 73% said yes, he will win another major. Absolutely incredible. And then finally, uh, the one that really caught my eye and made me want to come and check out this one to begin with. And again, there's a lot more questions on here than what I'm reading to all of you, but uh, the players were asked about golf courses, all right, in terms of what is your favorite golf course that you play on tour every year. And the results I found to be pretty surprising, uh, given that... <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm just going to read you the results. So the question is, what is your favorite tour course? The number one pick, 20%. So one at every five guys who responded to this uh, cited Riviera as their favorite course on tour. No surprise there. Architecturally, one of the most solid golf courses these professionals play each and every year. It's located in Los Angeles, which most professional athletes love. Um, so not really too much of a surprise there. What did surprise me is the amount of courses between number one and Augusta National. So uh, Muirfield Village, uh, the home of Jack Nicklaus's golf tournament, second place at 16%. Uh, Pete Dye's Harbortown at 8%. TPC Sawgrass, also designed by Pete Dye, 8%. Then you get to Pebble Beach at 6%. Uh, Quail Hollow at 6%. And then the following courses were tied with 4% of the players' votes, and that is Augusta National, Bay Hill, Torrey Pines South, TPC San Antonio, or TPC San Antonio, excuse me, and Old White at the Greenbrier. Every one of those at 4%. So according to guys on tour, there is 
four times as many guys that would rather play Muirfield Village as Augusta. Uh, twice as many would rather play Harbortown and Sawgrass. And more people would rather play Quail Hollow than Augusta National. That is baffling. <laughs> that, as a guy who has played exactly one of those golf courses, uh, I find that to be baffling. And somehow, some way, um, TPC San Antonio was voted the least favorite golf course by 16% of the respondents, and yet 4% of the guys cited it as their favorite course on tour. I do not understand PGA Tour players' affection for golf courses, and seeing as my golf, seeing as my handicap is destined to never go below five, um, probably never will. So, with that, let's end it right there, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. If you want to support what we do here, I implore you and invite you to go and leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. The more reviews and the more ratings that we get, the better off the show is and the more people that we can reach and share this absolutely silly exercise that we do each and every week with uh, with the masses. So uh, with that being said, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful week. I will likely be back next week uh, with Boat. So until then, adios. <laughs>